Welcome on to the show, New York Times bestselling author, leader of the FOH Army, and writer for The Ringer, Shay Serrano. Shay, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? What's going on, gentlemen? I am fantastic. That's how I'm doing. That's great awesome. to hear. You're great to hear. And uh, so just starting off, you're currently involved in a lot of things right now, going from writing to podcasting to even participating in an event for the Biden campaign. That sounds pretty busy, but what do you want people to label you as, or what are you most proud of accomplishing? I like the label writer the most. That's the thing I enjoy doing more than anything else. So just call me a writer. Shea Serrano, writer. Here on up on, you know, Twitter legend, that's been a staple for, for a while now. You know, yeah. does that weigh on your shoulders a little bit, knowing you got to command to the crowd a little bit, got to be that Twitter guy? No, I don't spend too much time thinking about it. I just sort of do it whenever I feel like doing it. Um, mainly the reason I get on Twitter is because writing is a lonely job. And like I work by myself, I'm in an office by myself uh, in San Antonio. So that just allows me some sort of connection to people for, for a little bit. I don't have it in my head like, oh, I need to make sure I get on here and send some tweets right now or whatever. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> now, is writing something that you would say brings you to peace or something like that, something you can do to sort of relax and just get away? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> writing is super stressful. It's real, right. it's, it's real stressful. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's just a job is what it is. You have to take it very seriously. If you want to be successful, it can't, you can't treat it like a hobby. You know what I'm saying? Um, so no, it's not something I do to relax. What I do to relax is I usually listen to some music, lay down on the couch or just sit outside by myself. But when the computer's open and I'm going, that's, you know, work time, not relax time. Yeah. Yeah, and the basketball book, basketball and other things, obviously a huge hit was mentioned by Barack Obama in a Facebook post saying it's one of his favorite books of the year. What was your immediate reaction behind that? Obviously, you know, commander in chief <laughs> saying something about your book. That must mean a lot. Yeah. 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 The, the like steps of reaction there was, <laughs> I was sitting, I was sitting at, uh, at my house on the couch, relaxing um, to have it on new year's Eve. So I didn't have any work or anything to do. I was just sort of watching TV and my phone buzzed. And I picked it up and looked and then somebody had like tweeted me a screenshot of the thing. And I know he does the like book, he does the book and music thing every year. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, you know, I was like something I was not unfamiliar with, but I opened it and I saw the screenshot and I was like, oh, that's clearly that's fake. And then I just put it away and then it happened again and then again and then again. And then my phone was just going like all the way nuts. So then I went on his actual Facebook page to see it. I saw it on there. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> and then, and then yeah, I was like texting people, tweeting uh, about it, like sort of losing my mind. And so that was like the, the like first stages. And then after that, I got really excited because a bunch of my friends are writers as well. And at some point, every writer writes a book. And most of the people I'm friends with who are writers are better than me. So their book will probably be more successful and be on the bestseller list. So, you know, you can't hang that card over their head for too much longer. But getting on his list was like, that's really hard to do. And only a few people do it every year. And so I felt like I was going to have a, a Trump card to play whenever I was talking shit with it. <laughs> that's how yeah, that went. True. Hey, you, you pulled that card and say, hey. Barack Obama knows who I am. And that's, yeah, pretty, that's yeah. a pretty big deal. That's a pretty <laughs> big deal. And, and that um, that might even help you get into a little bit of a political sphere just because your name is now way more recognized. And did that, 
help you get on to that uh, Biden Harris campaign panel or was that something completely different where they asked you to come on? Um, I don't know exactly how they ended up finding out about me. Uh, they have like a, they have a like Latino outreach media director or something like that. That's who, who messaged me. So I imagine they're just Googling, you know, uh, popular Latinos are looking at um, social media algorithms to see who's a who's a Latino who's doing well in certain spaces. I, I don't I don't figure they were like passing my name around the White House. I don't think it was anything like that. <laughs> Should be a fun place to get floated around, though. You know, in the White yeah, yeah. House. <laughs> Sticking with politics, Shay, uh, you have your roots. You live in Texas, and that's a state that's been swinging more Democratic in years past. You think about the close 2018 Senate race with Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke. Is Texas a place you see as a swing state in the future, five, 10 years, things like that? It's probably a little further off than five or 10 years, but I, I think it's coming. It's clearly it's trending in that direction slowly, slowly, slowly as the uh, Latino population increases more and more and more. Um, I thought it was really cool to see San Antonio was, or the Bear County, which is where San Antonio is in, was was blue this this time um that's like a recent turn of events that's been happening but yeah San, uh, texas is largely a rural state there's big big sections of it where you've only got like four people who live there and that's usually trump country or republican country yeah. uh, so that you know that's that's the tough part that's going to that's going to be tough to overcome but i think eventually yeah 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 we'll get there i hope you so. think the main cause of that is the increase of the latino population in texas I don't know if that's what it is, but I'm going to take credit for it. <laughs> take a ton of it. <laughs> so you've been very outspoken and just trying to get people out to the out to vote this season or yeah, this voting season. And it looks like it worked. But also just about your Twitter following is like you have a massive FOH army that just kind of stands by you no matter what and supports you, reads everything. When did you kind of realize that you had this following? I realized I realized how powerful it could be when the rap yearbook came out. So that was 2015. Uh, in 2013, I put out this, it was a coloring book is what it was, that I did with this rapper named Bun B, who's one half of UGK, this really popular duo in the South. And we did that book. And when it was coming out, I was under the impression that the way you sold books was to like get whatever media coverage you could get. And... So that was my whole focus when we were doing the, when we were doing the uh, book launch for that one. I was like, oh, I need to make sure it gets in. Uh, we need to get it in Rolling Stone somehow. We need to get it in, in the New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times. We need to get it on TV. We, you know, checking out, try to check off a bunch of boxes. And largely, we we got pretty much everybody to write about it. It was even on a couple of TV shows. Um, like it was on the Wendy Williams show. I think it was on the uh, MTV or BET. Uh, it was like, you know, spreading all around, which was super cool to watch. And then the book came out and we sold like maybe 900 copies the first week, which it, it's not a ton of copies. I mean, it's like, it's okay for the amount of money that they paid me to do it, but it was not enough to make the bestseller list. Uh, wasn't even close, honestly. And so that, that clearly didn't work. And when the rap yearbook came out, I was trying to figure out how do I get more people to buy this? And I'll never forget, uh, by this point, I think I had maybe like 40,000 people following me, uh, somewhere around there, maybe between 25 and 40,000 people. Mm -hmm. And I 
got an email from my editor, this woman named Samantha at Abrams Books, and she was like, hey, the, uh, the link is live. The, the like Amazon link to pre-order the book is live. Check it out. This was in February or something. The book was coming out in October. And I clicked on it and I saw it and there was no, there was no like cover image because we didn't have that. The book wasn't even done yet. It, all it was was the title and my name. But I just thought it was super cool because it was like a real book that was going to be out in the world. And so I copied and pasted the link. I posted it on Twitter and I didn't even tell anybody to pre-order it. I was just like, Hey, look, remember I told you I was writing a book. Like a, I wasn't lying. This is a real thing. This is so cool. And I tweeted it. And then that um, shortly thereafter, we were going on a trip from Houston to Corpus Christi, which is like several hours away. And uh, I tweeted the link. We get in the car, we drive down there and I don't look at my phone when I'm driving. And so a few hours pass, I get to Corpus um, I'm sitting there talk, talking to my sister who lives in Corpus, which is why we were there. And I'm like, oh, sis, check this out. It's cool. The uh, the book that I'm writing is up for, for pre-order now. Like you can actually see it. And when I pulled it up on Amazon, it had a little like number one bestseller flag that they put on there because Amazon updates their rankings hourly for the most part. And it's not hard to get like one of those little flags if you sell 30 copies of a book in an hour you can usually get one. It's not like a ton of copies that were sold, but I saw it on there and I realized all oh, the, there were people, people who saw this on Twitter and then they clicked on it and that's why they went and got it. It was like, you know, direct action. And that was when I realized, Oh shit, this is what I should be doing. Instead of worrying about media, uh, media coverage, I should be going directly to this like pool of people who already know who I am and who they must like something about the things that I'm doing. So I can just try to get it to them and then that and then I just focused all on that and then that book did much better I think so like 8,500 copies the first week and made the bestseller list and then got turned into a tv show and all of that stuff but that was when I realized how powerful Twitter could be it just sort of changed everything mm-hmm. sounds like it really naturally happened there now you just mentioned how your copies of that book really started to go up when you shared that on Twitter with your future books, is that something you did again, share that on Twitter and saw your copies go up because of your following? Yeah, that's that's all that it was. When the basketball book came out, uh, it was the same thing. I, I knew I was just going to go directly to them um, because the media stuff follows naturally. It's, gonna, it's going to happen, especially if you start selling a bunch of copies and making a bunch of noise. Uh, people will write about it. But yeah, um, I, I knew that, like, that was the way to do it from there going forward. So for me anyway. So we are a basketball show. It might not seem like it with the first few questions we asked, but we are a basketball show. It's called Dribbling Around. Uh, you are a Spurs fan. Am I correct by saying that? That's correct. Yes. So what was your emotions on this year? Obviously the huge uh, lengthy playoff run from years past and came to an end this year. It might have an asterisk on it. I don't know your opinion on that because of the whole bubble, but uh, what is your <laughs> thought? What are your thoughts on the future of this team? Um, the future of the team, I'm excited about it. We have a couple young players who are, who are going to be cool. We're at the very tail end of the Greg Popovich era. He's, he's maybe got a year or two left, if that, and then we're going to get a new coach in. And then, you know, DeMar, I mean, um, excuse me, DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, their contracts will be up, um, you know, in the coming future. And those are our two sort of elder players. We'll bring some new people in. It's going to be cool. It'll be, it'll be fun. A thing that I was not expecting is for all of those years when we had Tim Duncan, the expectation when you have a player like that, one of the five or six greatest basketball players of all time, the expectation is to win a championship. 
Like that's it's you either do that yeah. or you don't. And if you don't, then the season sucked. And if you do, then the season was awesome. And for 19 years, you sort of carry that as a fan, you carry that pressure with you. And it's, it's like, it's stressful when the playoffs come, if you're like really invested in the team, um, you know, you lose to the, the Grizzlies one year and you're like, what the fuck happened? Or, you know, <laughs> you, know you have like a matchup with the, with the Mavericks or, or the Lakers on the, on the horizon or somebody that, you know, a team you're afraid of. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's stressful. Like it's hard to watch the games. I like, get, get real nervous. And when they lose, it's super, super sucks. So when, when he left, and all of a sudden that wasn't the, that wasn't like the goal anymore. Or I mean, I guess it was still a goal, but that wasn't the expectation. Um, it just felt, it felt kind of cool a little bit to watch. Like it sucks losing games, but it was cool not to have to worry about winning the title. The year, one of my favorite seasons is one of the ones we didn't even win the title is when we played Houston in the playoffs. We had not played them in like a quarter century or some shit like that. <laughs> and then we played them, um, when we had Kawhi and we ended up beating them in six in Houston without Kawhi, he got uh, injured in game five. Yeah. And, and uh, that was like my, one of my favorite postseasons. We didn't even win the title, but we got to play the Rockets and we got to beat the Rockets. And that felt fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think you just talked about coach pop. I don't think anyone's going to dispute coach pop is a top three coach of all time in basketball, but you said, maybe about one or two years left. Do you think he's grooming an assistant potentially like a Becky Hammond to potentially take the reins and possibly become the first female head coach in the NBA? That would be cool. There are like whispers that that's what's going on. It would be really cool to have happen. That's sort of what we're all rooting for. The, uh, I saw the other, the other day or the other week or something, a big Becky Hammond mural had been painted, which I thought was really neat. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, like she's somebody that we're all – you know crossing their fingers and hoping that that she comes in there because she's been part of the team for so long it's so she's somebody who who as a coach we all sort of already have faith in so yeah slide her in there <laughs> put a prop of tim duncan behind her as an assistant coach for like the next 15 years or something and then she retires and then he comes in that could be cool yeah and connor before you go you mentioned Kawhi leonard shay I got to ask your thoughts as a Spurs fan, because I've talked to some a couple Spurs fans. Some are okay with him. Some have a lot of hate. So what's your attitude to Kawhi Leonard? I know it was a pretty rough ending. Yeah, I feel okay toward him. San Antonio is very divided, which I found out when I went on, uh, I forget what show it was. It might have been Bill's show, but I was like, oh, it's fine. We're, we're over it. And then like half of San Antonio was fucking hot about it. They're like, no, we are not. We are not over it at all. I, I feel fine. Um, he came back when he played with Toronto. He played the game in San Antonio. We all got to boo him. That was super fun. Uh, after after the game, Greg Popovich was like, "All right, everybody, chill out." Like he did what he needed to do. Uh, he, he you know he stood there in front of the fire. We're all good. And so after that, I was like, I was fine with it. I mean, the guy won us a championship. We don't win the championship, 2014 championship, without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I think you don't. Yeah, I great. think the the ring heals a lot of wounds. I think for a lot of people to say so, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A banner yeah. is the best band. He always, he always wanted to be in LA. He was going to go regardless. Why are you, yeah. you can't make somebody want to be in a place they don't want to be. He wanted to go home. He let him go home. 
Now, after he came back to San Antonio and you guys kind of had your therapy session, were you like sort of pulling for Toronto in the end in that finals or were you just a neutral fan watching Kawhi go up against the Warriors? Uh, yeah, no, I was definitely rooting for Toronto in that finals. I didn't want to see the Warriors win. I'm tired of watching the Warriors win. I was like anti-Warriors at the point. The Warriors are awesome. I love them. I love Steph, Clay, Raymond, who, you know, pick a player. Uh, they're great, but I wanted to see Kyle Lowry get his ring. Now, you mentioned Lowry. Are there any other players or teams that you're secretly a uh, closet fan for? Um, I am a fan of either anybody who the Warriors are playing in the finals <laughs> or the Spurs. And that's pretty much it. I like the Lakers. The Lakers are cool. I was rooting for them this year. Um, I did kind of want to see Jimmy Jimmy go nuts and, and, and get his ring. That would have been neat, but that wasn't like something I desperately needed. But I do like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big LeBron guy. I really like Kyle Lowry. They're like a handful of players. Um, that I that I root for more than teams probably. Switching gears from the NBA to the WNBA, obviously women's basketball has gone on a huge rise as of late. Uh, what do you think was led to that? Obviously, I know you're a Las Vegas Aces fan. So, what led to this rise? And you think in women's basketball? I think they've just slowly been getting more and more coverage, mm-hmm. and that was like a big a, a, a big obstacle for a long time. It still is, frankly it's hard to watch a game. Like if you want to watch a Las Vegas Aces game, if I want to watch a Las Vegas Aces game on my TV and the, and it's not one of the two games of the year that's on ESPN or whatever, I have to go to my computer. I have to log into WNBA League Pass. I have to find the game. I have to hook up a fucking cord into my computer from my TV <laughs> to get it up on the Like it's yeah. not, they, they don't make it easy. And the more games that get shown on TV, the easier it is to watch the more people you have watching it. I really think that's that's probably what it was. And then also you had a bunch of, uh, you have more and more NBA players who are being more and more supportive of it. And, you know, if you're, if you're 19, 20 years old and this player that you think is super cool, if you think LeBron James is the coolest dude in the world and you see him celebrating the WNBA, you're probably going to be like, oh, let me go check that out too. You know what I'm saying? That's usually how things like that work. Yeah, but it's no, been cool to watch, yeah originating a Las Vegas Aces fan. Tell us, how did you become a Las Vegas Aces fan? Well, when I, I didn't start watching the WNBA until a couple of seasons ago. And when I did, I said, okay, well, I need to find a team that I'm going to root for because that's how you watch sports. You can pick a team and you follow the team. And so I was just sort of, you know, reading about each of the ones that, that were in there. And I saw that Las Vegas Aces used to be the San, in San Antonio. So I said, okay, well, there's, you know, one check mark for them. And then I saw that they had just drafted Asia Wilson, this sort of projected to be a generational talent. So she's probably going to be there for a few years. I'm like, oh, cool. I can sort of grow alongside her as a, as a, as a fan. I get to watch her career. Um, and then, you know, you just start reading a bunch like that. And they were, they were a young team. They hadn't really won anything uh, yet. I mean, it was their first season in Las Vegas. Um, so it was going to be like the, a fresh start for everything. So it just sort of made sense to me. Now the Vegas, obviously they had a tough loss in the finals against Brianna Stewart and Subert in Seattle. And you mentioned it, they're a young team. They're still growing, but where do you see them improving to finally get over that hump and win a ring for Vegas? They should, they would have won it this year if they didn't have all of their injuries. 
Yeah. And they, they were beat point. the hell up by the end. We were missing our starting point guard, Kelsey Plum. We were missing our starting center and league MVP, uh, Liz Cambage. We were missing our two-time six-woman of the year, Dierica Hamby. She got, she got injured. Um, it, it was like, you know, it sucked. It sucked a bunch to get that far. And even still, they did not back down. That was the thing that was the most exciting to watch this postseason. Because you watched them, I watched them last year and the year before that, and they would get into, they would have moments where they would remind you that they were a young team. They would get a little bit of panic in them. They would get, you know, you could see, you could see it when you were watching the game that they would freak out a bit. And this year, they got into some straight up dog fights with teams, and they did, and they, and that didn't happen. There was never the back down moment. There was a game that the that the Aces played in the playoffs, and it was like win or go home situations two times in a row and you know, the other team got us a big lead and asia wilson was just like i think the fuck not and would just go and would just <laughs> yeah, go to work you're right just she was like give me the ball and get out of the way and you see you you know if your best player does that everybody else sort of gathers behind her and and and, and runs as well and to watch that happen you go like oh okay cool they they have it in them they have that fight in them to win the championship once we get our, our main pieces back, we should be good to go. And we should be good to go for, you know, years. Now, you mentioned Aja Wilson as a generational talent, Brianna Stewart coming back from injury, and Sabrina Ionescu had a pretty good abbreviated rookie season. The WNBA is in good hands, but what are some teams or other players that are on the rise that could make WNBA even more popular and just build on the success of this season? You know who I really, really like is Kennedy Carter. Uh, she played at A&M. She, yeah, um, I, that was when I watched her play for the first time. I, um, she had like this, this, like an awesome game winner in the tournament. And that was like, oh, let me see who this player is. And you start watching her. And I think she plays basketball in a way that is very exciting. Like she's, she's like a shit talker uh, with her body. You know, some players, they walk yeah. on the court and they're just like, you can see how confident they are. You can see that they're going to do some cool shit. That's how Kennedy Carter plays basketball. And it's really, really neat. I think you need players who, who do stuff like that. You need players who do a thing. Like Sab Sabrina's thing is she's just great at everything. I think it was like her second. It's a pretty second, good thing. Yeah, her second <laughs> game in the, in the league. She had like a 30-point like a triple-double or something goofy like that. Um, it might have been later. I, I might just be making that up. But she has like a thing that they can, they, they, they can build it around. They, you know, Asia has her thing. Kennedy Carter, that's Kennedy Carter's thing. She just fucking looks cool when she plays basketball. Um, she, she's somebody who I'm really excited about watching. Now, whenever you get on the court, do you like to talk trash? What's your go-to stuff? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like my main thing. Because um, <laughs> my buddy Jason and I were talking about this the other day. Like, if I, when I play basketball, I'm very rarely the most athletic player or the most talented player on the court. Like, that's usually not a thing that i can tell in this group i would do okay playing against you guys i could tell oh really i would, I would, right, I would, bet, I would be bet. fine i would oh, be fine bet. okay i would be fine i see, how it is. I think but, you okay. I see what you're doing already i see what you're doing already <laughs> hey, yo, you're speaking you're speaking from a brother that's in queens new york right now man you, you ain't touching me i will say Jaden. Jaden isn't also the most uh probably the most skilled person out of the three of us but uh He's gonna, he's gonna mix it up. He's yeah. a bulldog guy. So so because I know that that's the case, usually when I get out on the court and I start playing, 
my main thing is I just have to get the other people less focused on the game and more focused on me. So I immediately just start talking shit, no matter what. Like Jaden is a, I could tell in this conversation, he's a fiery guy. So I know if I, <laughs> if I challenge his manhood a little bit, he's all of a sudden not going to worry about basketball. He's just going to worry about fucking me up somehow. That'd be and, like a book. There you gonna, go. <laughs> and I'm probably going to do, do okay against him. Cause I, I could, what are you like five, 11 six foot something like that there you go right, 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 right on there. it right on yeah i could see from the from just how you're sitting um so i imagine he plays a certain way and i'm gonna just try to get everything i can do everything i can to get him to play the opposite of that so yeah i'm just gonna talk wild shit no matter how the game is going <laughs> i love that i feel the passion come radiating through the screen that's how, that's, that's how they teach you to play basketball when you're mexican they're like listen <laughs> here are the rules when you play basketball in mexican um, we don't call fouls, so fucking go hard as you want, and that's pretty much it. And there you go. And so that's how I grew up playing. I'm just gonna fucking hammer the shit out of you a few <laughs> times, and then when you call a foul, I'm gonna I'm gonna make fun of you for it, and then Very I'm gonna you know, start doing shit like that. Very true. Tough style of game, and I, I sorry, Jaden. I would say <laughs> I, tough style of game. You just mentioned that. I feel like the NBA is a game that's kind of going away from that. I feel like they call too many touchy fouls, sort of like. <laughs> everything that's going on i'd like the game to be a little bit more physical i'm not sure what your opinion is on that no i don't need to be more physical we're talking about the greatest athletes on the planet if i twist my ankle it's fine or if i hurt my thumb because i was hard fouling somebody it's fine i don't want to see fucking lebron james clipping people or like knocking people out of the air like that's not i don't need that I i don't i don't need fighting i like trash talking trash talking is awesome i want to see you dunk on somebody and then like talk shit over their body, but I don't need you to fucking shove somebody or push or punch. Do you have a favorite couple of beefs, whether it's between like rivalries or players? Like obviously we saw like KD kind of, KD's kind of fought with everyone, but other like kind and then Joel and Kat before the pause even started, do you have like a favorite, like, oh shit, they're going to fight moment? <laughs> um, who was the, who was the one who, was it a was it cat when they had him in the headlock? That was in bead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like stuff like that is 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 fun. It usually it usually bubbles up during the season. Players will you know get aimed at each other for whatever reason, and then you look forward to a game. But I don't have any that I'm like excited about for next season because usually they happen during the season. And then you're like, okay, cool. I can't wait till the Raptors and the storm or the thunder play <laughs> we're gonna hop into our favorite segment here on dribbling around Jaden's jump ball this is a trivia segment and this trivia is not about anything crazy it's about you it's about you it's trivia about you see how much we're gonna test your knowledge here a little bit I, well I think all of us here are born in 2001 well at least the, the dribbling around people not you but I'm born in 2001 so in your book the rap yearbook uh what was what songs plural their songs were uh the face or headline of 2001 Oh, uh, that was um, when it was Takeover versus Ether when I was writing about for that chapter. Yeah. Yes, Takeover Ether, that that beef between Jay Z, and as I'm as I said, I'm from Queens, New York, so you know it's sort of in the the culture of it. You know, a lot of these beefs. So yeah, I think that's the best one of all time. Yeah, I I think, I think so I too. Think. I think so too. Yeah. What am I gonna do? Great job on jump ball. Yeah. Great, Great job. job. Listen, some some people really mess up on these, and it's tough when it, it's sort of embarrassing <laughs> when the questions are about about them. 
So yeah, you know, yeah. that, that's a good, that's a little much. I think <laughs> you're our second guest of like the 10 we've had to go three for three. So well, there you go. Yeah, Boom. Superstar. Boom. Yeah. But obviously we mentioned it. You write, you do podcast a couple episodes of the connect left with Jason and what do you have in the works right now? Is there any books that you're kind of working on or what about at the ringer? Yeah, we have, I have another book that I'm doing. It's the last I've done uh, movies and other things, basketball and other things. The last one will be wrapping other things. Uh, we sold that as like a three part series. So I'm working on that right now. That'll come out next year. And then that's pretty much eating up all of my time. You know, writing books is, is like a very time consuming thing. Uh, there are always other like little projects that might jump in and out of, but for the most part, that's, that's it, man. I'm just trying to get somebody to give me some money. That's all I'm doing. Any advice for kids in the Latino community or the Hispanic community that want to get into media and uh, work up maybe to be a writer or a journalist, uh, any advice you can give them? Yeah, the, the, the machine is not built to include you. It's just not. It's not built to like grab young writers from unexpected places and hoist them into prominence. It is built to maintain the power structure. Definitely some strong words of advice. And lastly, if people want to buy your book, Shay, where directly can they find them? Uh, you can buy them wherever you buy books. The, you know, the, the preference is you always buy it from an indie, whatever independent bookstore is around. They need it the most. And they also charge the most. Like if you buy basketball and other things, it's like 25 bucks there, which means I make more money off of it. So that's great. But the easiest place is always Amazon. You fucking click on a one button and then it shows up to your house a day later or something like that. Yeah, trying to avoid Amazon. Bezos already has enough. You know, let's give it to the guy that actually wrote the book, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Shay, we had a blast talking to you. Make sure you follow Shay on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram. And of course, subscribe to Dribbling Around. Make sure you keep tuning in to Shay's new projects by his books. One of the New York Times bestselling author. Shay, thanks for the time. All right, boys. Y'all be safe. Thank you, brother.